Welcome to Tea Time with Monica. Are you ready to spill some tea? loves and welcome to Tea Time with Monica. As I told you all, I'm highlighting women trailblazers in the plus fashion community this month. And today we are here with Shanice Lewis. She's one of the fashion icons. Okay. My pageant sister. Let me tell you, I'm so excited to talk to her because um, I almost think like my, what I'm doing now kind of like I came from up under you because like we were both pageant girls. We both have podcasts now doing the media and I just feel like you have been such an inspiration to me and I want you to share that with my audience. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on your show and love everything you're doing. Thank you. Well, you guys, let me tell you about a little bit about Shanice. Shanice is an MC host and pioneer in the plus industry. She has hosted large scale fashion events during New York Fashion Week, Los Angeles Fashion Week, Shanice was crowned the first Miss Plus America in 2003. Yes, that's right. Honey got a crown. <laughs> she has worked with various plus brands such as Torrid and Ashley Stewart. In 2008, she began her podcast, The Shanice Lewis Show. This podcast, you know, is for the plus size industry. It was the first podcast for the plus industry, highlighting industry experts, influencers, and national brands. Shanice is also a philanthropist. She served as the president of the National Organization for Women Hollywood chapter for two years. And trust me, she's done much more that we will get into into the interview. So welcome, 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 Shanice. Thank you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. (laughs) So I'm going to start with the quote, as I always do. And the quote says, body confidence doesn't come from trying to achieve the perfect body. It comes from embracing the one you've already got. Now, how does this quote speak to your work as a body, as a positive body image and self-esteem advocate? Well, body positivity is my life's work. <laughs> it um, sure is. Since being crowned Miss Plus America in 2003, my platform that I was promoting was um, positive body image. Mm-hmm. And at the time, no one knew what that meant. And so I had to um, explain what that meant while doing the work, being an advocate and promoting, you know, positive body image. Today, Mm -hmm. everyone knows what positive body image and body positivity is because it's so mainstream now. Right. Um, But again, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah, you have, You like I said, one of the first in the game, honey. I, I had to know your name. As soon as I entered the pageant in 2013, it was like, do you know who Shanice Lewis is? I was like, okay, I've done my research. <laughs> Child, I know who she is. <laughs> so tell us though, like backtrack for my audience that may not know of you well. Um, tell us a little about, a bit about how you got started in the plus industry and how it's been from then until now. So I am originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and I got bit by the modeling and acting bug, but I live in a city where there were no opportunities for me to pursue that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, well, I started off trying to be a model and went to a model convention and lost, you know, a lot of money. And that was kind of scammy and shady. And so eventually I did some 
uh, research online and I came across the Miss Plus America pageant. Mm -hmm. And I never participated in pageants before, never knew anybody that participated in the pageant before, but I was just trying to get exposure and get my name out. And so um, I participated that I was Miss Louisiana um, 2002 and I walked away with the national title my very first time competing in a pageant and then after I won the pageant I was like well I can do this I can do anything so in 2004 Mm -hmm. I decided to pack my bags and move to Los Angeles to pursue a professional career in modeling and entertainment and acting. Wow did you find that doing the pageant and modeling was different because that's what I heard when I you know did the pageant first time they were like you know it's two different worlds did you find that same thing? Yes. Yeah, so when I, um, you know, competed in the pageant, it was the first year of the pageant. Right. So it's not like I had opportunities lined up for me um, to do after I won. Like I had to create awareness about what the pageant was and what my title meant. So it was totally different because it didn't really hold any weight for me in the modeling world as far as booking gigs for me but Mm -hmm. what it did was make me stand out and be memorable because I had uh uh, you know something the other girls didn't a title right right so so it helped but it didn't like it set you apart a bit but it is two different worlds yes I had to still have um some type of look markable marketable (laughs) look Mm -hmm. and you know even though I wasn't um industry stats I couldn't get signed by a modeling agency I did freelance work Mm. so can you tell my audience like what's the difference between the freelance and being signed with an agency so to be um, a plus-size model signed with a professional agency usually you have to be at least um, five nine in height Mm -hmm. and they sign girls maybe like from size 10 to size maybe 18 Mm -hmm. um and so i was too short and too big to be a professional plus size model now that was 20 years ago so it might have loosened up a little bit but not not that much yeah um so today when you see bigger girls doing things they're mostly um bloggers or influencers but if you look at the professional modeling boards it's still kind of the same stats as it was 20 years ago yeah and there are some brands that push more to show influencers because they want to show that everyday girl and not just the industry-based models so i do know it's changed a little bit over the years but you're right trust me if you look at it the all the different brands across the board it's pretty much the same definitely is it's still a long way to go yeah it is it definitely is how did you feel first getting to work with national brands like torrid and ashley stewart well working for Tord was a big deal for me because like I said, I was not with an agency and I wasn't, you know, the industry standard model. So I was living in Los Angeles, Tord Mm -hmm. based headquarters is out there. So I submitted myself Mm. and I booked that job as a freelance model on my own. So that was a big deal. That's right. I was modeling for Tord, a national brand at a size 22. And Mm -hmm. this was the early 2000s however i did not have the power of social media and instagram to boost me up because later years 
you know, other people got accolades and press for being a size 22, um, you know, doing things. But I had did it way before, you know, with no no fanfare. Uh The the original, honey. You set the tone. You set the tone. You you broke the mold for Toy. It was just like, we're here. We can do this. Yeah, sometimes when you do things before social media, you know, people forget about it because they only look at the people that have the most numbers right now. Mm-hmm. But you, you done been there. You done that. Numbers don't matter, honey. Numbers don't matter. You got it all. <laughs> so let's talk about acting because you said you got into acting too. So what exact? How exactly did you transition into that? Did you have to go with an agency or did you do that freelance? Um, I did that mostly freelance, but I was able to sign with the um, acting agency because acting is a little more um, open to look mm-hmm. size. But um, my most biggest um gigs i still book them on my own even though you have an agent you Mm -hmm. still have to hustle because with the agency you're one of many that they're working for you know you're a part of a maybe a hundred depending on how big the agency is right and so my biggest acting gig that you know a lot of people would know would be on hell day i was uh, one of the cast members on hell day on bet that show came out in 2007 Mm -hmm. um i was the only plus size girl on the cast so that was major because that show was number one on the um, network at the time and so that was you know one of the biggest things I did besides, you know, music videos, commercials. I've, you know, done a lot and to be able to be a visibly plus size person um, during that time, doing these things was, you know, groundbreaking. Yeah, it was. So give me a little tea though. How was Hell Day for you? Like, what what was your takeaways from that? Well, it was um, like an ensemble cast. So I wasn't on every single episode because it was mm-hmm. like a dating slash prank show it was right. improv so improv is something i do very well and so um i had to fight to get my own episode really uh, because the they promised it to me but then they was gonna i guess you know let it slide if i didn't say something so i had to fight to be the lead on one of the episodes and people love you know my episode so you know whatever you do when you're black or you're plus size you always got to have extra hoops to go through you got to advocate for yourself honey exactly <laughs> yeah so it, it i mean i saw in there that like when i was reading your bio i was like oh my gosh like i've interviewed you before but had no clue that you did you know everything that you've done it's a lot it's a a lot y'all trust me you got to know my girl I mean you even were at Essence Festival interviewing you know celebrities how did you even get into that like you know I'm I'm sad we didn't get to have Essence Festival last year and I'm pretty sure not this year due to COVID but you've been there what was that like so um, I got that opportunity through my podcast mm-hmm. because my podcast um, is with a network um, that I use to, you know, facilitate the show. And at the time, the person that was the PR for that network um, took a liking to me and noticed that I did really professional interviews because, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out, but, you know, some people just be talking about anything. Child, yes. You know, it'd be a hot get on mess. So they were kind of <laughs> impressed, 
you know, with the quality of content that I put out. Right. And especially this was early because, you know, I started my podcast in 2008. And right. so um, the network I was with um, became a sponsor for the Essence Festival because the Essence Festival recognized that podcasting was a legitimate form of uh, media. And so, um, you know, that was an opportunity that came to me mm-hmm. just with, you know, who I was affiliated with. So I kind of went there as a spokesperson for the um, network I was with. And then I ended up doing the celebrity interviews for five years. And I only stopped because then I started hosting the natural hair show during mm-hmm. the Essence Festival. So I just transitioned from, you know, celebrity interviews to the natural hair community. Wow. So you just, it, it just elevated you just even more, huh? Absolutely, because, you know, I say it's always good to be seen. So, um, you know, I was out there doing celebrity interviews and and getting opportunity, but I wasn't getting paid. I was just getting exposure because I was going there for my podcast. So when I do things for my own podcast, I mean, unless I pay myself, nobody else is. So you just have to hustle and you have to be seen and, you know, do what you got to do to get your name out. Definitely. And you definitely have done that, honey. <laughs> Not to put in my time. You child, you put it all the time. I'm like, shoot, let me get on with what she been doing. I'm, I'm like, I'm slacking over here. <laughs> but so, it looks like a lot because it's accumulated over 20 years. Yes, so, I yeah. mean, if I ain't had but a paragraph after 20 years, I need to go stop and do something else. You right about that. Just why you got to keep hustling and keep it moving. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about your philanthropy philanthropy work with um, the National Women's Organization. What was that like? Because I, I noticed that you um, you got the Love Your Body campaign started with them. So I um, moved to Los Angeles after I won the Miss Plus America title. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was promoting positive body image. And so um, a woman that had a plus size brand at the time that I was modeling for, she was an indie designer. She said, um, have you ever heard of the National Organization of Women? And I said, no. Why? And she was like, well, they have something called Love Your Body Day. And I think it would fit good with your brand and what you're trying to do. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks for that info. I'm going to look them up. So, you know, I went to the internet, Googled, and there was a chapter starting in Hollywood, mm-hmm. newly formed right around the time I was Googling. I mean, perfect for you, huh? I always find stuff at the beginning. (laughs) So I went to their meeting and I introduced myself and I said, you know, I'm Miss Plus America and I want to be involved with Love Your Body Day. I like to produce an event. I have Mm -hmm. lots of ideas. And so they were newly formed. So they were happy to have me and happy to have someone that was willing to do stuff because you know people get in organizations and then they don't do anything it's just there okay i came to the table saying i wanted to produce an event mm-hmm. now i had no event experience no event production experience i didn't know what i was doing but i was full of passion I, and that's what it takes at the beginning right for being full of passion <laughs> right so i created um love your body well i didn't create love your body day for the organization but i created the event for my chapter Mm -hmm. and so i produced that event for six years and every year i had a celebrity host i had national press i was covered by entertainment tonight i was covered by um inside of all you know i was in los angeles so i was covered by all of you know everybody and so in 2010 
my celebrity host was Whitney Thompson, who was the winner of uh, Cycle 10 of America's Next Top Model. Right. And so every year that I had a celebrity host, we did a photo shoot together to promote the event. And so I guess as she was off America's Next Top Model, used to doing weird photo shoots, she was like, let's pose nude. And I was Ooh. like, okay. But it was all her idea. And so we posed nude. And, you know, I was a little uncomfortable. I kind of hid behind her a little bit. But um, I produced the photo shoot. I wrote the press release. I put it on the newswire myself. And it went viral and it went viral internationally now one of the reasons it went viral because she was the winner of america's next top model and Mm -hmm. at the time you know the show was really popping right and so um girl you can google to this day i'm like on on these uh spanish websites iranian websites like it went worldwide and Again, that was before Instagram, so I would have had way more followers than I do now <laughs> if I, that happened during Instagram time. Right. It did give me a lot of more opportunities as far as um, being a leader in the body, body positive movement and people with the eating disorder organization started reaching out to me. Right. And even though I never had an eating disorder, they were just saying I was a good role model. Yeah, I mean, you you are a good role model. And to come there with like no experience of an event, create it and have it be successful for six years, and then having a viral campaign of with you posing nude, that is, that's just a testament to your work. Right, because the event was one thing, then creating a campaign and a photo shoot was another. So I was doing a whole bunch. And so that's why I stopped. I stopped after six years because I was making myself sick because... I didn't really have a team to mm. help me. And it was just too much. It was just a lot. So after six years, I said, you know, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I, I done did my time here. I done did my time. Right. I'm good. Right. It's, and, it was, and it wasn't my personal, like I created and produced it, but it was under the organization. organization. So mm. that comes with a lot of stuff too about, right. you know, what you can and can't do. Right. Because it's a representation of them, even with right. some of your vision. Right. I mean, you when we get back in and out of the round, can you teach a class? Because I know so many people coming up in the industry or that just want to do something that could learn from your skill set. Yes. People tell me that all the time. I need to have a workshop. I need yes. to have the classes. And I, you know, I just never put it together. It's on the to-do list. Honey, we, we got time. We got to sit down now. It's the Rona. We got time. Okay. It's on the to-do list. Honey, when you produce it, let me be there, okay? I will be there. I will be like, what you need? You need some help? Okay. <laughs> so, look, hold me to it. I'm going to hold you to it, too, because I'm going to come back and ask you. I know I'm going to see you. <laughs> right. <laughs> At some type of event. So, what is it like seeing now what's going on in the plus industry for you? It's so much going on everywhere, like you said, with social media, with influencers, with models, with brands. What's your take on it all? I think social media has been a great tool for building community, um, expanding uh, the the community and the, the way people connect with brands and do things now. It's just so accessible mm-hmm. and it's accessible to more people. So, you know, social media has been a plus. However, mm. however, we got we to get that money there. <laughs> It has also been negative in some ways as well because um, 
people put on a pedestal those who have lots of followers and it's like the number of followers should not determine you know the person's work because sometimes people get a lot of followers for doing negative things and you know people get a lot of followers for you know twerking and stuff that don't mean they doing anything uh productive or positive to move the movement forward mm-hmm. so um you know it's it's a gift and a curse um, you know, yeah. I have to be on there to, you know, be a part of the game and be involved. But I always say, you know, read my resume and my bio. I, I can't, you know, I was, um, had a lot of followers on MySpace and mm-hmm. in MySpace. And then I had to come over to Facebook. And now I had to come in. I'm tired of, um, <laughs> well, of every little platform here and there. Yeah, <laughs> you got, you got YouTube, you got LinkedIn, you got Twitter, you got Facebook, you got, yeah. I'm like, look. Some of these people now wasn't here for MySpace, so I I was I remember MySpace for Instagram. Yeah, I remember MySpace, honey. It tried to make a little comeback, and I was like, it was like, no, can't, no. <laughs> we done taken over. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it is. It's like, no, we're taking, we we didn't take it over, honey. But you're right. Social media is a gift and a curse. There's a lot that goes on in the industry, and it's it, to me. I do you feel this way? It's like it's two different sides of the industry absolutely it's um you know (laughs) there is like the mainstream Mm -hmm. professional that work with the the blogs and you know the brands which is the one i try and be a part of Mm -hmm. and then there's more like the activism Mm -hmm. which um i i support too but some of the activism maybe because i'm getting a little um older Mm -hmm. you know it's like a little um Sometimes it kind of comes across a little militant or a little, um, I don't know what the right word, but they, you know, a different generation. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's a different generation coming in to the movement and may have different views on how to express. Right. You know, what what the movement is about. So I think we're at a crossroads actually in the industry. Right, but I still support everybody we're all you know fighting for the same thing and like on my podcast i try and have activism on as well as you know brands so you know i try to support as many people on all sides well let's talk about this podcast because this is the first podcast that has focused on the plus community and industry so what made you decide to start the podcast so i uh, when i was living in la um like i we talked about me uh modeling and acting but then one of my friends introduced me to hosting Mm -hmm. um because i never really thought about hosting as something i could do professionally Mm -hmm. and so she was like you know i'm in these hosting classes and you know i can refer my friends and you get a discount and i was like okay and so you know i went to hosting school Mm -hmm. and so at the hosting school in los angeles i was training to be an on-air host and they were training me on the teleprompter Mm -hmm. as well as training me to be on the red carpet at the oscars or the grammys so i was being trained to you know do major things in los angeles and so um one of my teachers was um I Dallas, which was an MTV VJ from the oh, night. Oh yeah, I remember her. So she was one of my teachers, and 
she told me that, um, you know, there's this new thing called a podcast. And I was like, oh, I never heard of a podcast before. And she was like, yeah. She was like, you can use this to practice your interview skills. Because she was like, to be on the red carpet at the Grammys or at Oscars, you know, your interviewing skills have to be really sharp. So the only reason I started a podcast was to practice interviewing people. Because I was planning to do it uh, in person. Right. So I chose to focus on the plus size industry because I was already active and known in the plus size industry like I don't like to reinvent the wheel like I already had a community that knew me and was supporting me Mm -hmm. so like on my very first episode you know it was a thousand people listening on the very first one just because you know they were familiar with me and I was you know already had accomplishments and accolades in the plus community right so I didn't expect you know to be here 13 years later still doing the show well you've done a great job highlighting the industry and I think you know prior to like you said the different social media platforms it was just a good way to get it out there and you've just continued it and there's so much going on in the industry new brands popping up new influencers new events don't you miss the events (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm I'm comfortable at home too. <laughs> I just want to see a good sleigh. That's my problem. I like to get dressed up. But no, I think I think your podcast does a great job. Even you highlighted an event that, you know, me and uh the executive producer of the show, Mickey did, you know, last what, two years ago now. I have to think it was in 2019. I want to say last year because 2020 was such a blink of an eye. <laughs> But no, you you even highlighted something, you know, that I was a part of hosting the fashion show at um, Fashion Center Pentagon City Mall in the DMV, which was like, was that a first or, you know, where a mall was backing like plus size models? I don't know if it was the first, but I guess the first in your area. Yeah, I think it was the first in the area, not the first like overall. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in the DMV area, it was like the first time it was really just focusing on plus size. Mm-hmm. And to know that you're highlighting things that are like either the first or just things that are groundbreaking in the industry is telling because people need to know that. Not everybody knows all the ins and outs of what goes on. And also, um, you know, I feel like my podcast is more of like a media outlet because mm-hmm. like you said, you know, there's a lot of people doing um, amazing things in the plus industry and they don't get, um, you know, exposure. They don't get interviews like mainstream media is not running to interview us about these plus size fashion shows all the time. Right. So, you know, for me to interview somebody, they, you know, are super excited about it because everybody wants to be supported with what they're doing. Yeah, they do. And it takes a lot, I think, in the industry, especially if you're first starting out after all these years and there's so much there and you're trying to set yourself apart. That exposure is just one more, you know, great thing to add to what you're doing. Absolutely. I'm big on exposure. You have to, you know, if you're out of, out of sight, you're out of mind. <laughs> you're just giving us all the little tidbits, honey. You got to hustle hard. You got to stick with your platform. Take risks. Take your chances. Elevate. Don't yes, be out of sight, out of mind. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. You have to, because sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Because people are like, oh, you're so busy. Oh, you did. And I'd be like, girl, I wish I could be doing about 10 or 20 more things because I just know how important it is to be visible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes, you know, like 
you know, people will turn their nose up at a uh, somebody interviewing them, and I'll be like, of course I'll do it if it's something that's decent yeah. and it's something that's you know trying to spotlight me. Like on my website, I put Forbes right next to an indie, you know, person writing about me because I right. know that everything counts. And a lot of people in this um, plus industry that you know have made it, they don't understand that. Yeah, they just focus on Instagram. Now, look, let me tell you, you're gonna reach out to some people you want to interview, and they're not gonna respond back, and they're gonna ask. Child, don't I know it? I have reached out to several people and not gotten a response. Okay, and but here's the thing: they'll do it to me too mm. because they don't understand that everything counts. If somebody sees me on your show, and if I just get five more extra followers i'm happy because everything counts and that's how i can last for 20 years and have the support because i try to support everybody and i try to stay visible in multiple ways i know that's right the audience you heard that stay visible in multiple ways when you're when you're pursuing your dream absolutely definitely so what advice could you give someone who's thinking about you know coming in the industry if they're, you know, we're all sitting home right now thinking of other things we, do, we can do. People are branching out, doing hobbies. What advice can you give that person? Well, the first thing I would say is do your research because that's like one of the biggest mistakes people do. They, you know, want to come and be a plus size model. They don't know the standards. And even if you are like me, I was outside of the standards with height and size, but I still presented myself as a professional model. I still studied the agency side models so my pictures could be similar. And Mm -hmm. so I could still market myself the same way. So, you know, people say they want to be, you know, a plus size model and then they come out, you know, with a thong and, you know, busting it open on the camera and have an OnlyFans page where if you want to build your brand that way, that's great. People make it good money, you know, twerking it and dipping it low. But that is not what the mainstream plus size modeling consists of. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to work with major brands that way. So you have to do your research to make sure you are doing things um, proper protocol. Yeah. Well, see, audience, look, you learning from one of the pioneers here, honey. She's been here. She's been in the game. She knows the in and outs. And it hasn't, honestly, even though there has been changes, the base, the mainstream, like you said, the baseline has not changed much. There are standards that we still have to follow. Right. Because, you know, a lot of people want to work with Lane Bryan and Ashley Stewart. Lane Bryan and Ashley Stewart are mainstream and on the conservative side. So, I mean, you can do lingerie. Don't get me wrong. You can do a swimsuit, but it has to be in a tasteful way, like a fashion model, not like you trying to get likes from men. Definitely. Definitely. You got to know what you're doing. Push your brand a certain way. I mean, do you ever consider like rebranding a bad thing for people? Because some people, you know, rebrand over and over and over again well i mean i don't think it's anything wrong with rebranding but some of the stuff when you put online it's online forever so some of the stuff is going to be hard to rebrand when it's documented online for the rest of your life and then people um you know take pictures of your stuff screenshot it and Mm -hmm. you know put you on a website so you could rebrand but it's 
you know, depending on how far you got, it's going to be a challenge. Not yeah. impossible, but a challenge. But a challenge. Yeah, it can be. I, I can agree with that. You got to be careful what you put on there. Yeah, because some of that um, social media posts come up on Google search. They do. They do. You got to be careful out here. Definitely. Exactly. Well, I, think, I think you've given us some good advice on that and i just like i said audience this is somebody that i've been looking up to for years okay so she i know what she's capable of i know what she's done but i had to introduce you all to shanice because she's been doing it for so long and she's gonna keep you're gonna keep going i know you are because i don't see you stopping anytime soon and look, I have to say, you know, sometimes people put me in the icon, a, a legend category. And I say, well, I started when I was in college, so I'm not that old. I, you know, I'm 20 mm -hmm. years, but I'm, I I haven't made it to senior citizen yet. I'm still young. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> like, hey, you started when you when you got started and it don't matter what your age is, honey. You're still beautiful and still full of life. So they don't need to know what age you are. Black don't crack. <laughs> that's right. Can you tell my audience? where they can follow you though and get to know you better and please listen to the podcast yes so it's easy to find me on social media because everything is in my government name so i am shanice lewis everywhere the hardest thing is just having to spell my name because it starts with the c mm -hmm. so c-h-e-n-e-s-e -E -E, lewis l-e-w-i-s so i'm on uh twitter facebook i'm on um instagram of course those are the the most three I'm active on, but I'm everywhere. Um, you could go to my website, ShaniceLewis.com, and there is a link to my podcast on my my main website. But I also have a separate website dedicated to the podcast, which is ShaniceLewisShow.com, and um, my podcast is weekly and it's on every um, podcasting app. So you can just you know search for it on every app that you like and. You know, it's a lot of good information if you're trying to get into the industry because, you know, I interview people and ask their journey, just like, you know, you asked me. And that's how you learn things by listening. So yeah. definitely check that out. And I'm on Clubhouse. I'm active on Clubhouse, too. Oh, so yes. Clubhouse is getting popping now. We got a new whole platform to get popping yes. with. I'm Shanice Lewis on there as well. And I'm, you know, active in rooms there. All right. Well, audience, definitely follow my girl Shanice. Listen to her podcast. And I know, like, if you guys need any advice, reach out to Shanice. She's one of the nicest people I've known in the industry for a while. So thank you so much for coming on Tea Time with Monica and sharing with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor and continued success with your show and all you're doing. Thank you so much. Well, audience, thank you for listening to another episode of Tea Time with Monica. Bye, loves! You've been listening to Tea Time with Monica. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast medium. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And follow me on social media at Monica underscore the curvy diva, spelled M-O-N-I-C-A underscore T-H-E-K-U-R-V-Y-D-I-V-A and at Tea Time with Monica.